appealing to Ryan's integrity. Interesting move. Ryan, your go. Okay, this changes everything. How's it going, Ryan? Not well. Are you sure? No. I like seeing this embracing of non-competition. I'm so sorry I brought this upon you. <laughs> I don't think there's bonus points in this room. I'm real proud of you. Welcome to Things Are It Wrong, your general trivia podcast with a healthy dose of internet and media things. I'm Ryan Bott. I'm Rachel Miller. I'm Stuart Hopkins. And today we get to welcome one of my best friends for, what, 20 plus years? Uh, Mel and Hawk on Twitch, gaming it up, uh, Mr. Nathan Drake. Hello. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. It's good to be back for number four. Do I get a jacket at five? That's what I really want. <laughs> you I a think gold the jacket's jacket? at ten. <laughs> oh, That's right. <laughs> so far away. Brian, where's my jacket? We'll get to it. <laughs> oh, you guys don't have like team jackets or like bowling shirts? I wish. Oh, I have a Letterman jacket. Is that why it's so oh. hot in here? Yeah. That probably. would explain it. <laughs> yeah, man. We're excited to have you on. Uh, but if we can... Basically, I don't know what everyone else has been all doing all summer. I have been uh, trying to learn how to garden. So basically, all I want to do this episode is spend an hour with Stu and say, okay, what about this plant? <laughs> okay, this one is the dirt. Is soil is it good for water? No, these are looking a little leggy. Uh, what about this one? <laughs> I was going to say, like, man, I'm so excited about this. I hope that there's some garden-based trivia. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting Just there. Some- just send me a live stream of all your plants and I'll feel <laughs> right at home. Oh my gosh, my setup. I have a new setup for plants. It's amazing. I have, I recently got in a very large haul of succulents that yes. the countdown clock is going to be for how long I can keep them each alive <laughs> because notoriously succulents are very easy to keep alive, but also very easy to kill. Right. I, so. I just painstakingly went through. So like, I acquired a bunch of plants like about a year ago or so. Um, and I guess with some of them, they had the, they had scale, which is like an infestation and they had like whatever the little white fuzzy, uh, infestation (gasps) is as well. Mealyworms. Right. And I had, right. And so like, I have a a jade plant that was gifted to me that was about 30 years old, apparently. And then I had the one that I've had since, uh, high school, which is, I guess at this point, like a decade. And, yeah, both of them got completely infested. So a couple of days ago, I spent the entirety of a night with rubbing alcohol and Q-tips mm-hmm. and just literally every single leaf on like every plant I had trying to clean everything out. So You can also you, spray bottle them because have, it'll evaporate so fast. I had been spray bottling them, uh, rubbing alcohol, hydrogen peroxide, like soapy water, you name it, and it wouldn't go away. So I had, oh to, I had to really resort to the, the drastic measures. I remember when Rachel first started bringing in some succulents, we had that from a, a shop. I think some that were purchased from a... It was my little know. aloe. Yeah. Oh, no. But, because it kept, I, have to, I kept having to repot it because of it, and I eventually led to root rot because I couldn't keep track of all the things with it because of stupid mealyworms. That's so sad. Yeah, but right now, yeah, Rachel, the succulents Rachel has look amazing and just got some in, and... I have a few things going well, some like basil and stuff that's doing okay. And then I also have some leafy greens that look super leggy and like they're probably going to (laughs) die. That's okay. I mean, somebody made a post that was like, hey, can we all just collectively agree that we spent like $150 to get like one bowl of pesto this year? (laughs) (laughs) 
that's their gardening. I mean, that's fair. We've been doing wheatgrass though. Wheatgrass is super Ooh. easy. You don't even nice. need soil for that. So that's been good. We give them a haircut every couple of days and make some smoothies with it. That's beautiful. Nathan, do you do any gardening? So I don't. Nathan, what's the, your relationship with eating vegetables? The <laughs> missus does. I eat carrots and green beans and peas and everything else can just, nah, maybe not so much. Unless you have a couple. That's at, least, that's at least two and a half vegetables more than I've ever seen you eat in the 20 years of knowing you. That's fair. So we're doing big gardening, though, because this week we got mailed um, a letter from the Arbor Foundation. And we filled out a survey and sent in a donation, and they're sending us 10 trees for our yard. What? What? That's a thing? Yeah, you just get randomly selected. So we bought a house this year, um, and I think that's probably connected to it. But yeah, they sent us something, and we went to their website, and yeah, they like sent us 10 trees for our area that are supposed to thrive in our area. And we were like, yeah, we'll take those. Dude. Well, one, congrats on the house, but two, that's awesome about the trees. Yeah, we were very surprised like two days ago when it came in the mail. I was like, what is this? And she was she was like, more trees? Yes, all of them. Awesome. Dude, you got to take pictures when they start sprouting and everything because that's super cool. Yeah. Wait, I so they're going to put 10 the t- on, your, on your property or like you, you sponsor them? So you could do either. You could either have them planted somewhere else or they just mail them to you. They're like 12. They're not very old, obviously. But yeah, they just mail them to you. I can't <laughs> wait for plant. the UPS. We missed you while you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, I can't remember what eight of the other ones are, but I know there's two like crate myrtles. Um, so I can't remember what all the other ones are off the top of my head. But yeah, it'll be interesting since we already have probably... I don't know, 14 trees on our property. So yes, yes. Yeah. The, the air, yeah, the garden space you have is, is awesome. Uh, I've also got to ask since we're a few months before uh, a whole new console generation, I want to know what you're, what you're going to do with Xbox PS4 stuff. So I've, I've committed all my thoughts to this and I, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm buying a PS5 at launch and I'm probably never going to buy another Xbox again. Yes. Because all they're pushing is Game Pass. Mm-hmm. And I've upgraded my PC this year, so I don't need an Xbox. I just get all their games on mm-hmm. Game Pass, and it's it's a done deal. I was planning on buying one, and then I go, wait a minute. Why? Why do this? <laughs> why? <laughs> There's no point. They're not trying to sell me this system. They're like, no, we got this subscription service. Just take that. It's true. I mean, like, what is it? A hundred million registered Game Pass people now. Like, they're oh they're gosh. a service company, and yeah. they're crushed. I mean, in a year or so, like, it's gonna be well. Once all like the Apple craziness hap, you know, finally works itself out, like, you could spend fifteen dollars and just play Halo and stuff on on an iPad. And now that that's delayed, like, I I can't imagine buying an Xbox right now. And to be honest, like, I think this will be the first time in a while that I'm just gonna wait a little while for for a new console yeah i mean the the playstation will get my money day one they always do but i was just i was thinking about it and i was like all all these games there's no i only buy exclusives on the xbox anyways so there's almost no point for me to touch it yeah and every game on xbox now is essentially a netflix model of just (laughs) buy into the subscription and you have everything it's it's an awesome service but uh 
yeah, I've, I'm pretty much with you. Although I've come to the realization that I am the definition of a casual gamer now. <laughs> I play like two biggish games a year and then mix my time between like one night of Madden, a little bit of Rocket League, a couple fun little children's games, and that's kind of it. <laughs> I mean, you've been wheeling and dealing consoles for the last like 10 years. I think you've owned <laughs> like all of the consoles at one point and then once at the same time and then got rid of them and bought them again. I feel like you're yeah. on this wheel of like, yeah, I don't, I haven't touched it in a month. I got rid of it. Four months later, I got in the mood again. So I got one. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's true. I think it's the, it's that way with most stuff. The fact that this podcast is steady is like the anomaly. But it's like <laughs> it's I'm, I'm in the art for like two months and then I bow out for a year, you know, that kind of thing. Makes sense. But yeah, man. But uh, yeah, we're happy you're here. Uh, There's obviously cause for celebration because this is the 50th ever episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is a round robin game where all four of us are going to be bringing a round of trivia for the other three to answer. Um, and we'll get started with Stu in a moment, but we do want to sort of like, we've been thinking about the way that we handle some of these, some of this audio a little bit. And, uh, you know, we're going to try to do a couple small things. Like we're going to bring in some guests more often and do stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I think We've we've really hit our stride with sort of the full game from me and then the round robin game uh, from everybody. And we've done that for over a year now, a year and a half or whatever it's been. Um, But I think we're going to get into the habit where, uh, you know, we've listened to the audience um, and, you know, bring it like just bringing different ideas. And I think we're going to try sort of the the standard game for most weeks or most episodes is going to be a round robin style. We just get a more collective different differentiating uh group of questions and all sorts of stuff like that and uh, i think we're also going to go forward one thing that we realized in past episodes is that trying to buzz in super quick or shout the answer when it's like one word has been said uh isn't the best audio experience (laughs) so (laughs) we're gonna for the most part there may be a few rounds that really need like a a quick on the buzzer sort of scenario but i think what we're going to try and do is for the most part, the standard modus operandi will be wait for the entire question to be read, buzz in. I think we can all fairly also align with the idea that like the competitive nature of it is probably not the most important part of the show. Right. So we may not have to do the quick buzz in. Like so we may we may implement something. I think even in the show we may have to figure out how to do it. Like if two people buzz in, you know, within the scope of a second or really quick. We may default to everyone locking their answer and say it at once. We may figure a couple things out. Uh, but, you know, kind of the next few episodes, we'll probably be trying out a few different formats and just playing around with stuff. But, uh, you know, it's all in trying to make the audio experience as good as it can be and as fun as it can be. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, we will start the round robin then uh, with Stu whenever you're ready. Cool. Thank you. All righty. Um, my round robin round is called Garage Sale Regrets. Uh, <laughs> these questions are framed around items that your mom probably sold at a garage sale and are worth way more than you think nowadays. Uh, it's a typical round of trivia, right? I'll uh, give, a, give a question. If you get it right on the first hint, it's worth two points. Uh, if you get it right on the hint after that, it is worth one point. Oh my god, I already have one in my head that has just like mortified me as a child and <laughs> changed my life going forward. Dude, Is that I a Charizard lost. card? Uh, that would be part of it. 
Uh, alrighty. So most of these, I mean, most of these, yeah, are like, you know, collector's items and things like that. So question number one, it came with your favorite happy meal. These six collectible items featured a Disney hero, his father, his trusty steed, and several other characters from the film. Ryan. Ryan. Is this Hercules toys? Uh, can you be more specific? Uh, Hercules and Pegasus. Uh, almost. I can't give it to you though. I mean, these are, these are six specific things from a McDonald's happy meal. Gotcha. Rachel. Rachel. Nathan, you had buzzed in. Oh, did he? Sorry. Oh, you're good. Was it the collector's edition Disney plates? It sure was the collector edition (laughs) Disney plates. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's going to be wrong. I remember. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember those. They were so good. And like they are. Right, so apparently they go for quite a lot on eBay nowadays. Like it's a plastic plate, but they're $150 for the whole set. Because there and were so few created. Them. Right. There were so few created, but everybody remembers them, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Alrighty. Question number two. Who doesn't remember that distinct half raw, half powder brownie taste from the 90s? Uh, these light bulb powered toys are known to fetch a pretty penny now. Ryan. Ryan. Is this an easy bake oven? This is an easy bake oven. Oh my, I had one. <laughs> Did you really? Oh yeah, I had one for ages. And my parents would buy all the, the stupid little recipe things. And me and my sister <laughs> made so many things. They were gross. And it was an amazing experience. <laughs> was it literally just like a house light bulb inside of it? it no, was it was suppo- much warmer. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it, like, it was supposedly an iridescent light bulb, right? Or like, um, you could cook it would radiate cookie dough in it. So it would right. be you could a good cook actual cookie dough for vegetables. <laughs> I mean, like one that goes like it got insanely hot, like to the point, like if you touch the metal after it came out, it would like burn you, and it would only be in there for a couple minutes. So a little bit too toy. warm. It was yeah. Yeah, no, was, there was uh, it was everything unsafe about a '90s kids toy. <laughs> it was perfect, absolutely perfect. <laughs> right? Apparently, there was things like cheese pizza. Uh, uh-huh. Like that was one of the things oh, you could make God. for it, and I don't remember eating that. I just remember like uh, the brownie, and that was. I about remember it. the brownies. Yeah, we did the brownies. We did actual cookie dough that didn't come with it. We did the cookie dough in the packets. We did little cake packets. We did pizzas. We did grilled cheese. Um, we also did like a little bit of improvisation when we didn't have any of the recipe things. But yeah, there was a lot of use of it. <laughs> what is what is improv like a Barbie with sprinkles on it? Like, that's what, like, it's like what, fairy I, what I told about like my mom, like if like the kids are begging for pizza, but we're not going to be able to get a pizza. What we'll get is we'll make a nice piece of white toast. We'll put a little pizza sauce uh-huh. on it. We'll put a little cheese on it. You can set it through. And for two very little kids who don't quite know better, it's enough. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Sorry. Quick tangent. That reminds me. So Sterling wanted pizza for lunch one day. And I just, we didn't have any on hand. So instead I took a mason jar lid and cut out circles inside of a tortilla and made mm-hmm. him like pizza quesadillas out of that. Yeah. And that is probably the best parenting move I've ever done. Cause now it's like, he's so excited. He's all about it. My parents also did that. I'll have, you know, and I'm still excited about it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but does uh, that all makes sense, except for the fact that the tortilla is already a circle. Yeah, but he wanted little ones. He wanted mini pizzas. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say cut into a, a piece of bread or toast, and that made sense. But right, yeah, now, I gotcha. pizza, mini pizza dias. It's totally worth it. Nice. 
Alrighty, question number three. Everyone knew that one kid who claims to have had one at some point. The rarest of the 151 in their collection, everybody everybody knew that one kid. Right. Rachel? I heard Ryan first on that buzzer. This might be a good, a good instance to try out the everyone plays. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that actually would be probably pretty good. Alrighty. Um, everybody lock in their answer and we'll start. Uh, we'll go Ryan, Rachel, Nathan. All right. Sure. I'm a little uh, slightly confused as to if it's one or the other, if it's a square or a rectangle, but I'm going to say Pokemon cards. Okay. Uh, we'll go Rachel. on to Rachel. <laughs> um, I think it would be a um, shiny Charizard. Okay. And then Nathan? I was going to say Mewtwo, but I have no idea of anything Pokemon related. <laughs> oh, so, no. except for Onyx, it's my favorite for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> That's about as far as my knowledge goes. That's okay. Well, now it's good to know, though. Um, so the actually the only one who technically got it right would be Rachel. Rachel. Uh, it is a first Yee. edition Charizard card yeah. or a shiny Charizard. I know this. Which, uh, as everybody knows, is worth several thousand dollars now um, around specific requirements with it. Man, well, I all of do them. not even want to know how much money got sent to like uh i think it was like a family friend's kid from my mom's work and she in her full credit like this was years after and i think we were cleaning out stuff i think i said it was okay and then immediately came to regret like i had the old school like i used to do this every weekend like go play pokemon at the local toys r us and had the red box crate with the stickers on it with a bunch of hollows. I don't know what was first edition or not. I don't want to know. At one point <laughs> in college, I really, really got close to buying an entire sheet of all 151. And then I came to my sense. I was like, this would be the stupidest thing to spend $400 on in college. <laughs> Especially in college. <laughs> but man, I wish I still had those cards. I still have my box of originals. And I can tell you that one of them is a shiny Charizard, but it is not first edition. Ah. It makes a huge difference. Like for, I collect Tolkien books. Now those yeah. guys can go for a pretty penny. Um, and but I mean, you can really find someone. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but unfortunately, you do oftentimes. Like I've gotten more of my rare books by somebody online probably doesn't know its value, selling yeah. it on eBay, and I'm like, great. I got a first edition. Awesome. Great. This is amazing. This is just lucky. And I just got lucky right time, right place. Oh, my gosh. I I think Nathan can actually attest to the best find I ever scored in my life, which is we were in the same high school. I think it was statistics class. And we were reading the newspaper because there's nothing to do in a normal statistics class. And I found... (laughs) This won't Especially mean anything to a class. lot of people, yeah. but I found a Fender Rhodes, which is a 1970s no. keyboard, like fan, like classic keyboard for a hundred dollars. <gasps> and I literally like had to go take a phone call. So I made a phone call <laughs> and I asked and this lady picked up and I asked, you know, is it the one with the speakers? Because it's a suitcase one for those who know. It's just like the with the full speaker. It's really nice. And I was like, do you know how many keys it is? And she said, uh, uh, hold Okay, hold on. Um, I said, no, you don't have to count each key. And she said, okay, that's fine. 
<laughs> and I uh, said it was okay to pick up. So I literally just left school that day and <laughs> went, and, went and picked up a Fender Rhodes for $100. And I still have it today. It is like my pride and joy. It is my favorite instrument you've ever had. So uh, that just yeah. goes along with it. It is definitely the best keyboard sound. It's just wonderful. Don't, don't ever let cl- that go. <laughs> Comes no, into I a close not. second to that pink guitar that you got rid of that I loved and was beautiful and wanted to hang on the wall. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice guitar. But that, that Fender Rhodes is like, I think I tracked it back to the week, the same week of my birthday in like the early, I forget what year, but like the mid to late 70s, I think, like 77 or so. Wow. Um, I was just like, dude, this thing is so awesome. But yeah, Garage Sale Keepsakes, eh? That's yeah. amazing. Well done. All righty. Uh, question number four. While some thought that they were a toy directly inspired out of the film Gremlins, these toys were supposedly cuddly and cute and came in a multitude of colors and hairstyles. Rachel! Ryan. Nathan. Ooh, this isn't everybody. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody lock in your answers. Yeah. Three, two, one. Ryan? Furby. Rachel? The Little Trolls. And Nathan. Also Furby. Uh, It is Furby for sure. Okay, never Um, mind. Troll dolls were were pretty popular, but Furby, it literally looked like the creature from Gremlins. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, did you guys ever have one? No. I think I had one from McDonald's. I can't remember if I ever, like, if they were sold outside of that much or not. Yeah. I, I didn't have like a, a real one, but I remember some kids uh, that I hung out with did. And it always yeah. freaked me out. My 70 uh, year old grandparents had one. Oh. They were the only people that did. <laughs> they didn't really talk to it, but it spoke pretty good English half the time. And I was like, well, who is messing with this thing? Is it just listening? What is going on? It's the prototype of Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All right. Question number five. We all at some point thought we would have the ultra rare one with a defect. These collectible stuffed animals overtook the 90s toy market by storm. Rachel? Ryan. I heard Rachel first. I agree. Okay. Uh, Beanie Babies. It is Beanie Babies. Yeah. Um, I got one for my grades for a few years in a row. Oh, nice. that's adorable. I don't know if I remember the story, like the fact that defects were the thing that made him special. There were so many rumors about it, you know, that. Right. Right. Like it was just it was one of those things that like the Internet wasn't popular enough and information was not quick enough that you could still believe in random rumors. And yeah, like, I mean, it really the only ones that were worth anything were defects. <laughs> but. Fair enough. I mean, the 90s had a whole problem with that no matter what, because the comic comic book industry had the same thing happen where oh, people were just true. buying up all these comics because they thought they were going to be worth something. And they're like, no, you overprinted. Like, no, they're all <laughs> worthless. That's right. not how it works. The reason yeah. these things from the 60s are popular is because there's not that many of them. <laughs> so. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Which, I mean, who knows, though, maybe the widespread popularity due to that kind of led to the uh, cinematic Marvel universe we have today. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but it, it does make a point when, uh, when stuff is still coming out as new and there's already a collector's guide on the future value of them. Probably not a good idea to jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> right. I think you should also be like aware, and this is because I do a lot of research into collecting Tolkien books. 
um, is that publishers continue to publish things that look the same years and years after the first one came out. So you might have a 7th edition 49th printing. It means nothing, but a first edition first printing, even though it looks exactly the same, is worth thousands. Mm -hmm. This is where you get into the weird thing of, and also where, like, if the editions were first printed in England, they're going to be more worth more than the first editions in the U.S. and all that jazz. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's its its own, like, deep dive into (laughs) into actual value. Yes, very. Alrighty. Uh, question number six and last question of the round. Tiny figures that you can take anywhere. These miniature toys and play sets let you move your figure around to compact scenery and sometimes connect to other sets. Rachel. Rachel. Polly Pockets. It is Polly Pockets. Uh, my brother deep? cut mine up behind the couch because he got angry. <gasps> what? He was what never punished for it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. See, it's one of those things that sticks with you. I had hundreds and hundreds of pieces, and he literally sat behind the couch and cut them up. My parents said he didn't mean it. <laughs> Welcome I'm to my sorry. life. <laughs> I'm not family upset about coming up, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, not at all. No, you seem like you've gotten past it for sure. Trauma coming out the woodwork. Now, the only correct thing to do for him to redeem himself is to buy you all of those sets again for Christmas one year. Like that's the only way that he can come back from that. I agree. Or just to break his laptop. (laughs) But you didn't mean it. He already (laughs) broke it himself. (laughs) (laughs) He got there first. Alrighty. So that ends the the garage sale regrets route. Love it. Do you know what the scores are sitting at, Ryan? Yeah. So I have uh, Rachel with six points, Nathan with four points, myself with four points, and uh, Stu... I know this isn't fair to say, but I just love saying it. It's just holding down the fort. I like being here. It's okay. (laughs) Uh, Rachel, whenever you're ready. Okay, guys, bear with me. I took full advantage of the fact that there's finally a rule in place about you guys having to wait to answer until I've read everything. And my questions are already notoriously long. They're even longer. I'm going to read an entire Tolkien chapter. You tell me what book it came from. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're actually quite close. The premise of this round is simple. I want you to give me the author. In celebration of 50 episodes, each of these authors are associated with 50 or more books. Ooh. I will give you six clues. These are all huge authors. After three, I will ask if anyone has a guess. Any answer at that point is worth two points. If no one has an answer, I will give the subsequent three. Any answer after the final hints will be worth one point. Okay, cool. So I've made um, most of my hints are pretty long and every part of it is relevant. There's no like kind of red herrings. I pulled out things that would lead you hopefully to them. They would lead me to them, um, even though many of these authors, perhaps I have not read books on, but it would kind of be a elimination at that so point. So these are titles of the books? No, the authors themselves. Okay. Well, sorry. And right. So the answer would be the author, but clues can be anything. Okay. Some include books. Some include movies. Some include education. Some include their backgrounds. Some include their lives, because some of them have very interesting backgrounds that led to them being authors that are pretty well known. Okay. So, okay. sorry. How are you delineating the point? Are you taking a break between? 
Yes, I'll take a break between the first three and the second three. Right. Okay, sounds good. And if and if you guys get it after the first three, I will of course share the second three for the audience. Nice. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. Question number one. Hint number one. He was born on October eighth, nineteen forty-three, in Columbus, Ohio, and has published over ninety-one works. Hint two. One of his pen names is Eric Afabi. And hint number three, the Guinness Book of World Records held him as the best-selling children's author of all time in 2003. He is still alive. Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Is this R.L. Stein? That is right. Excellent. Nice. Two points to Ryan. The other point, um, hints for this was, hint number four was, he was the co-creator of the Nickelodeon series Eureka's Castle, which aired from 1989 to 1991. Hmm. His first novel, written in 1986, is called Blind Date. And his second most popular novel, with over 80 million sales, is called Fear Street. Which, if you combine that with the children's novel, is of course first most popular novel is Goosebumps. Goosebumps. And Fear Street is being made into movies by Netflix next summer. Is it? That is correct. I, nice. Cool. That gets me no points. <laughs> thought I'd throw. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of these imagine, that have been. I always imagine R.L. Stein as just this man who like lives in a cabin on top of a hill and just is like, I want to be alone and smoke my pipe. I'm R.L. Stein. I always feel like he's just like a, a super normal dude that lives in a neighborhood. But like you go in his house and it's full of like super creepy stuff. <laughs> like house looks totally great on the outside you would never suspect it but you walk in there and you're like oh my god i went to the wrong place <laughs> okay you guys ready for question number two ready okay. yeah she was born on the 15th of september 1890 in devon england and died on the 12th of january 1976 in oxfordshire after having been made a lady she left um hint number two she left the private company she created to manage her 85 works in strict control of her daughter, and eventually, in 2005, a large portion of it was transferred to the UK National Trust, an organization tasked in part with the preservation of national heritage. And then, hint number three. I told you some of these get a little long. She was 18 years old when she wrote her first short story called A House of Beauty, which eventually became an early version of the short story collection, The House of Dreams. So can I just take a guess? Go ahead. I'm not sure if I have the years even close, but I'm going to say Emily Dickinson. That is incorrect. Emily Dickinson, I believe, was American. That could be one thing. <laughs> Any other guesses? Okay. Hint number four. In 1928, she took a train from Europe to Istanbul and Baghdad. It was in Iraq that she became friends with an archaeologist and his wife who invited her to come on a second dig two years later. It was on that trip that she met her second husband, archaeologist Max Mellowin. Hint number five. This journey became the eventual inspiration for one of her most popular novels, published in 1934, which has been adopted in film at least twice, television at least three times, and into a 2006 computer game. And hint number six. 
Her most popular novel, published in 1939, is And Then There Were None. Any guesses? I feel really bad. Um, I, I know. I will. Uh, um, I, I mean, I can take another stab. Okay, go ahead, Ryan. Jane Goodall? No, Jane Goodall is a scientist for chimpanzees. I know, but you can do two things. (laughs) I know. (laughs) She's also, I believe, still alive. Good for her. (laughs) Good for her. (laughs) I think we've had this conversation on another one of the podcast episodes. Um, This is actually, any other guesses? I don't think I know the author, but I want to say it's the author that wrote Agatha Christie. Well, you're right in its own way. The author is Agatha Christie. (laughs) (laughs) She also, I guess, wrote Agatha Christie when she wrote by Agatha Christie, so you're not wrong. Um, the, I've never the train been so ride. right and felt so dumb at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> the train ride inspiration was, of course, Mortar on the Orient Express. Oh. I had to change that around because she took literally the Orient Express there, but that would give it straight away to you guys. Oh. So, uh, it, it one point to Nathan. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Nicely done. Okay. One point to Nathan there. Question number three. He was born on February 8th, 1955, in Arkansas. And it's hard to believe that this author dreamed of being a baseball player more than anything. Hint number two. His book, A Painted House, released just a few years ago, which has been suggested to be at least a partial autobiography, deals with a young farmer boy who dreams of being a baseball player, but the foreword of the more recent novel, Calico Joe, confronts that dream giving confronts giving up that dream after a baseball pitcher intentionally aimed at him and he narrowly escaped serious injury and hint number three as a young man who lacked formal education he worked his way up in various labor positions until a gunfight broke out at his job site which forced him to take shelter until police arrived this event changed the course of his life and he decided to go to college ryan go ahead ryan Boy, this feels like it's taken a lot of turns. So I'm just going to assume that all politicians eventually write a book. And I'm going to say Bill Clinton. No. All right. Thank God. <laughs> Any other guesses? I No, not at this point. You're, you can take a shot and guess again after the next. No, because I know it's not him. Um, well, I guess. No, it's not. Okay. It's <laughs> not it. <laughs> I don't have a guess. Who's the person who wrote Benjamin Franklin? (laughs) (laughs) In um, hint number four, in 1977, he graduated from the University of Mississippi and subsequently obtained his law degree from the same university, after which he intended to become a tax attorney. Hint number five. Just three years out of law school, he was elected to the Mississippi House of Representatives, where he served two terms and has since remained a political activist. And hint number six. And in 1984, he claims he experienced the case of his career, even though it was not his case at all, but rather a child's moving testimony that he watched. This inspired his first novel, published in 1989, 
It was made into a 1996 movie starring Sandra Bullock, Matthew McConaughey, and Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson later won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for his part. I guarantee you all know the movie. Uh, man. You said lawyer movie. I was going to assume Philadelphia, but that obviously can't be it. I have no idea, and I'm going to feel real dumb. Right. I'm sure I'm going to know it, but I have nothing. Anything, Nathan? James Patterson? Incorrect, but you're in the right sphere. (laughs) I'm just throwing out every author I know. Tom Clancy. (laughs) That was my other guess, you know? (laughs) Okay. So, this is John Grisham. Ah, You were really close. (laughs) And um, it was one of the eight authors I was thinking of. That are always on the end cap of the books I don't read. (laughs) (laughs) The movie is a a time to kill. Hmm. I actually don't know that one. It's a very moving story about a child getting savagely attacked and uh, racial issues, but it's actually very good. He, uh, his subsequent movies include um, The Firm, The Rainmaker, The Client, The Runaway Jury, The Chamber, a lot of them. Huh. The Pelican Brief. Um, so question number four, this is actually the hardest one of the round. I'm sure everyone knows his best-selling book, but his na- knowing him as the author is actually quite a bit more difficult. So um, hint number one. After being born on the 22nd of April, 1899, into nobility, this author was forced to flee Russia when the October Revolution took hold, claiming many lives of those in the nobility, including the infamous Grand Duchess Anastasia Romanov. Hint number two. In 1922, he graduated from the University of Cambridge, an experience which inspired many of his later works, including the novels Glory and The Real Life of Sebastian Knight. And in 1940, the family, which included Sister Olga, a close friend, a friend of Anne Rand, fled Europe ahead of the Nazi invasion and settled in Manhattan. His brother changed the chose to remain behind and was murdered in the Neuengamme concentration camp in 1945. This event and his childhood served as the backbone for many of his novels, which focused on the various themes of totalitarianism. I wish you the very best. This one was too much fun to pass up. He has a very interesting background. This, I, I don't even, I mean, I could say a book title. I can't even, I don't even know if I can get to an author's name. Give me a book title. Let's see if we get, you get close. The Brothers Kazanoff. No, that is, um, I believe that's Tolstoy. Is it? I believe so. I could be wrong, but it's not okay. this author. Okay. <laughs> is it? It's not George Orwell, is it? It is not, no. Okay. Yeah, I have no guess. So <laughs> it was, and sorry, the brothers Karamazov. No, please continue. The brothers Karamazov is uh, uh, Dostoevsky. Jesus, I can't speak. Dostoevsky? <laughs> yes, that's the one. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not correct either. I figured. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Hit number four. In the U.S., he took several university teaching positions, including in literature at Cornell, where he would teach a young Ru- Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Hint number five. 
He died in 1977 in Switzerland. His last work, The Originals of Laura, still unfinished, which he instructed his son to burn. The son did not do so, and the unfinished work remained in a vault. It was finally fully published in 2009. <laughs> and his greatest success came from the works he wrote in English, including his best-selling work, which is listed in the top 30 best-selling books of all time, and was his own translation into English from Russian, Lolita. Everyone knows that Lolita is a great-selling book. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows who the author is. Nope. And I obviously knew that other fact, too. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since it seems like this one has got you guys pretty well stumped, this is Vladimir Nabokov. Sounds like a hockey player. (laughs) I mean, that's generally a a Russian name. (laughs) Um, And, uh... Fifth and, surprisingly, final question of the round. Hint number one. This English-born author and fighter pilot has been a champion of children's literature since his first children's book was published in 1943. Hint number two. Interestingly, though intended to tell a fairy tale, one of his most popular children's books was subsequently loosely adapted into a 1984 Steven Spielberg comedy horror film. Hint number three. At the same time, he was a fan of writing in the macabre genre and won three Edgar Awards presented by the Mystery Writers of America. Stories of the genre that have been lauded include Tales of the Landlady and Skin. I'll give you another little bit of a hint. I miss. We referenced that movie earlier in Stu's Round. Oh, I was going to assume it was... Because I think Stand By Me was a book first. Yes, it was. Any other guesses? H.G. Wells? No, it is not. Okay. Slightly after his time. Okay, yeah. I was, I was going to say, like, I'm just trying to think of, like, English authors, potentially, because I don't... Yeah, I have no idea. Hint number four. In his stories, he's well-known for villains that hate and belittle the children protagonists who are helped by the one good adult. Many of these storylines have been adapted into award-winning movies, plays, and musicals. Hit number five. He also adopted storylines that explo- exposed classist issues, such as in The Fantastic Mr. Fox. And hit number six. This author is well known for attempting to write a screen ap- adaptation of his book that, when ultimately finished by another screenwriter, became a 1971 cult classic, which the author promptly disowned. Sorry, 1971 cult classic? Yes. Hmm. I guarantee you all know this author, and you guys have all either read books or seen movies. I'm trying to think. It sounded sort of like you're referencing like the Goonies or even uh, Home Alone or something. 71 cult classic. I didn't. Is Gremlins that old? Yeah. Oh, no, not not 71, not 71. But it was, I will give you a little bit, not it was the 1984 film. Gremlins was the 1984 film? Uh-huh. The heck wrote Gremlin? Isn't Gremlins 2 the one that was the doc for Best Worst Movie? I don't know, but I do know that when the book was written, it was a children's book intended to tell a fairy tale because in the British Air Force, there was like a joke about how little tiny gremlins would mess with things when people weren't around. So it was supposed to be very lighthearted. It was very loose ad- adaptation. 
Uh, huh. I thought you were going to say, I know this because it was the first hint in my question. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that, but no. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. you guys seem like this one's a little far off. This is Roald Dahl. Really? Oh. He wrote Gremlins. He wrote Fantastic Mr. Fox. He wrote um, Matilda. Yeah. Matilda, um, James and Giant Peach. Yeah. He BFG. also. BFG, yeah. Um, he also wrote one of the James Bond screenplays, either like You Only Live Twice or Die Twice, something like that. He you wrote that twice. one. Yes. And he got <laughs> halfway through and couldn't finish the Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, which is an adaptation of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And so they finished it and he hated it. Absolutely <laughs> oh, hated it. Oh, the new movie one. No, no, no. The original. He hated it. The original. Wait, he didn't. Oh, really? I didn't know that with the Gene Wilder. He, oh, he absolutely despised it. He thought the songs were awful. They changed the ending. He thought it was ruined. And his wife made the comment of, well, the children like the original book ending. Why did they have to change it for the movie? And he thought the characters were all wrong. I so. didn't know that. I'm a really yeah, big fan of the movie. Yeah. Apparently, there was a huge section about how much he hated it. I've Fair. always been, I've told myself for years that I'm going to read those books and I still haven't. Do you guys also want to know another family secret while I'm at it? <laughs> my sure. cousin stole my copy of Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, which is the sequel to it. Right. She yeah. asked to read it and I never saw it again. And then they told me that they, that I never gave it to them. <gasps> Yay, family. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I say it because I can laugh about it now because it's really not a huge deal because I already read it and everything. <laughs> But okay, so that's all five of my questions. Ryan, where do our scores stand at? All right, uh, that was a tough one. Uh, I have Nathan with five, myself with six, Rachel with six, and Stu just holding down the fort. Yeah. Ooh, Stu. We got uh, recliners was... now. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> You're Can't gonna wait. need them. They're only three <laughs> points in that round. Ooh, that uh, was tough. All right, Nathan, uh, if you're feeling ready, let's, uh, it's your round. Yes. So I took inspiration. So it's general trivia, very general, but I took inspiration from, um, Saturday night lives, celebrity jeopardy sketches. And they always, they always had that section called potent potables. Yes. (laughs) And so this is going to be called Nathan's notables. So (laughs) Ryan has a distinct advantage here because it's things I like and he's known me the longest. <laughs> oh, boy. So it's, it's a slanted category. So we'll put an asterisk if Ryan ends up winning. Um, but hopefully they're general enough. Um, okay. So question one. This 2013 father-daughter tale was considered a revolutionary step of story in video games. Its 2020 sequel has been one of the most <gasps> debated games in recent memory. Stu. Ryan. Stu. Yeah. The Last of Us. That is correct. And Stu is on the board. Sweet. Sorry, I guessed. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I realized <laughs> what it was. I was like, oh man, I actually know this one. <laughs> <laughs> the guess was great. <laughs> okay. Question number two. This horror classic once had a 1-900 number to talk to its leading man. This franchise also has ties to Will Smith, Lawrence Fishburne, Johnny Depp, Brad Pitt, Roseanne, and Ted Nugent. How does Roseanne tie in? That's what I'm curious about. I have no idea you what the said answer is. phone number, and I immediately assumed it would be like Blair Witch or something. Mm. Um... You take a guess, and then I got a guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't have anything yet. Rachel. It, Rachel. 
I know what you did last summer. That is incorrect. Stu? Is, Go ahead, it, Stu. Is this Tales of the Crypt? It is not Tales of the Crypt. Oh, crap. I can't think of the movie name. Um, just thinking of the one I can think of with Lawrence Fishburne. I can't think of the name of it. I don't have it. Uh, do, we, do we want to do a hint for one point? Yeah. Yes. Uh, this was a 80s horror classic that was remade as uh, recently as the oh, early 2010s. Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Wait, sorry. Did you say Johnny Depp? Rachel? I did say Johnny Depp. So this would be Nightmare on Elm Street? It is Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. Ryan gets one point. So I, I will go through the... I will go through the connections. I was going to say, I, only because yeah. he, he is iconically uh, now featuring, or whatever it is, Johnny yeah. Depp is his first role. Yeah, yeah, so they say that a lot. So Will Smith made a song about it um, called The Nightmare on My Street. Getting jiggy um, with it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so yeah, Will Smith has a song when he was like a, a teenager, like right before Fresh Prince about Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne was in a couple of the movies as a um, orderly at hmm. like one of the asylums. Um, Johnny Depp was in the first one in his first role. Brad Pitt was in the TV series that was short-lived. Oh. And then Roseanne and Ted Nugent were both in the fifth movie, I believe. Fifth or sixth movie. Wow. Yeah, hmm. pretty crazy. Um, question number three. This tabletop game created in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, has been part of a great resurgence since right. its fifth iteration launched in 2014. Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Sure this is everybody. No, yeah, you just wanted to be. Wait, I hang on. I, I, didn't, I didn't actually hear the full question. I heard about resurgence in 2014. It was made in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, but I didn't hear the rest. Okay. Um, so this tabletop game created in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, has been part of a great resurgence since its fifth iteration launched in 2014. Because if Ryan buzzed in during the question, not following his own rules, he's just, you know... I'm trying strong. to help out everybody. <laughs> we all know it. Yes, by cutting off the question and making it hard to hear. Yes, that's helping See, everybody. Yeah. Good call, Rachel. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll do a round, uh, give everybody a shot, starting with Rachel. This is D&D. Okay, Stu. Yeah, D and D. Ryan. This is Dungeons and Dragons Five E Edition. <laughs> correct. Dungeons and Dragons is correct. Everybody gets a point. Yeah, we forgot. Uh, both Stu and Nathan are uh, resident DMs. You're a DM. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am. We can get into my three-year-long campaign sometime. Every yes. time I come back to Oklahoma and hang out with Nathan, it's generally followed by four hours of talking about D and D stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so much story going on. Can't yeah. Help it. Okay. Question four. This book series has left its fans wanting more since its second installment came out in 2011, led by a red-haired bard with a knack for the arcane. Rachel. Ryan. Rachel was first. No, this is the King, King we Killer doing... Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss, consisting of The Name of the Wind, The Wise Man's Fear, and um, The Slow Regard of Silent Things. It includes a small short story 
in the rogues thing that also includes short stories by George R. R. Martin. Thank you. You don't get extra points, but yes, that is 100% correct. I was full spite towards Ryan. What happened, I'm sorry, as as I recount the rule of within one seconds or so, uh, I'll just note that I'm currently holding the slow regard of silent things in my hand right now. I can't see that to verify, so that point will go to I Rachel. Know, you also can't see the poster of the slow regard of silent things in the background of my shot. He bought two when he bought one for me. Oh. oh my God. We can also recount that as you now give two points to Rachel and none to me. How's it going, Ryan? Not well. It's okay. There's two more questions in this round, and I think you might know the answer to one of them, so it's okay. Question number five. This seafaring fellow is known for his circumnavigation of the world in a single expedition between 1577 and 1580. Mm -hmm. The passage between the South American Mm -hmm. and Antarctica is named after him. Rachel. Rachel. This is the Magellan Strait or the Strait of Magellan. That is incorrect. That is incorrect. Darn it. Ryan. This is named after Sir Francis Bacon. Rachel. That is so close, but incorrect. I I know where he's wrong. (laughs) Rachel's already had an answer. Stu? I don't have Use your video game knowledge. Wait, hey, all right, yeah. I feel like an idiot. (laughs) I feel like... I feel like I have to say out this. Out of it's, all of us on this, let's take a poll on who is most wanted to go to Antarctica and most looked <laughs> up all of this stuff and who knows this passage specifically. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Stu, you know this. I mean, so is it, it's the character, right? No, it is a real explorer from the 16th century. God. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel did buzz in before Ryan, but I'll give you both a shot. I believe the make up for my previous passage. Okay, called the Drake Passage. Yes, it's Sir Francis Drake. (laughs) Not Sir Francis Bacon. I know. (laughs) That was beautiful, though, Ryan. I uh, do encourage that. I was excited and I was hungry. Oh, that was great. I don't even... Ryan and Rachel can both have a point on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. That was fun. I don't know if you know that we've played through all of the Uncharted. Actually, I say we've played through them together. Ryan's played through all of the Uncharted, and I've sat by and watched all of them. I do know this. 100% know this. And that's what we call playing them together. Yeah, since I share that character's name, uh, Sir Francis Drake is on my mind quite a bit. I was just telling, I was just telling Stu, I think we were in middle school or right before high school when that stuff first got announced. Mm-hmm. I remember yep. being at, I remember being at your place and there was that game and then Bioshock, which the main oh, villain is Andrew Ryan. <laughs> just like they're taking our names now. Yeah. Okay, question number six. This 2019 national champion is making his return to the Buckeye State after being selected at the top of his class. I don't know. Last night I told Ryan that my favorite parts about basketball were the commentators and how neatly tucked in the umpires or referees shirts are. (laughs) So. (laughs) That's not a joke. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a quick and I like watching it. a game being particularly curious about how the refs uh shirts stay so neatly tucked in while they're running it's because it's a a one piece most likely uh, R- oh. ryan ryan 2019 champion it's this is going to be wrong but i'm going to assume saquon barkley incorrect that was ohio state right yes yeah. it was Stu, do you have an answer? No. My my sports knowledge is much like your Pokemon knowledge. It is severely, severely limited. Fair enough. Um, I will give one more hint for one point. His Heisman speech sparked a massive um, campaign for food banks in Ohio. Uh, in Ohio? Oh, Ryan. Ryan. This is... Uh, uh, um, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is correct. Good lord, I forgot he was from Ryan. Ohio. Well, he also transferred from Ohio State to LSU. That's right. So Joe Burrow is going to be the starting quarterback for my favorite team, the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's where that oh. comes from. All right, that is my round. Nice. All right. Uh, I think I have the scores as follows. Uh, Stu with four, Nathan with five, and Rachel and myself with 11. Well, now, unless if I get one question right, you lose. Uh, which I think <laughs> might happen because uh, my round, I had to go, I had to think through all of our best, all of our most iconic rounds. Um, the silly anonyms, the after darks, the ones I'm most proud of, but uh, I had to go back to one we did fairly recently. Uh, and this is Give a Movie a Midnight Snack, which is a before and after style round where uh, I'm essentially going to give you a premise that is a mashup of a movie and a food or food place or food snack or something like that. Um, these can be like a before and after. So it could be like finding Dory toes, like finding Doritos. <laughs> oh, okay, um, never mind. I'm not going to win. I'm bad at this round. <laughs> or we can play around. Like there can be a word in the title. Like, it could be Lord of the Onion Rings or something like that. Um, should be fairly obvious on these what the answer is, but just know that it doesn't necessarily have to share the last word and first word. It can, there's a little bit of play there. So, Uh, I have six questions. Um, They each essentially have two hints. I can kind of give a second follow-up hint for half credit if we need. And uh, I guess just kind of call in uh, once I finish the specific section. This is always... um, And the the order can be switched, but it's always a a movie mashed up with a food thing. Okay. All right. Question number one. In 1800s Bangkok, this leader of Siam builds an unsuspecting relationship with a teacher who just happens to be this sneaky crowned leader. All right, second hint. Uh, this 1800s Bangkok, or I'll, I'll kind of, it's basically just a, a short tagline, so I'll kind of just repeat the whole thing. In 1800s Bangkok, this leader of Siam builds an unsuspecting relationship with a teacher who just happens to be this sneaky crowned leader. Uh, who's often in his own fights with a clown. Um, I know this. Nathan. Nathan. Burger King and I? Yes. Darn it. Oh. I couldn't come up with the movie name. I knew what it was I talking about. The King right. and I and the Sneaky Spy Crown Leader. <laughs> this is the Burger King and I. I was not confident, but I did not catch Sneaky 
until you said it the second time, I was like, okay, it is that. <laughs> uh, often in his own fights with a clown. <laughs> two points in Nathan there. Question number two. These lovable but complicated candies use humor as a means of helping those most in need, even if the medical and scientific communities don't always agree. These lovable but complicated candies use humor as a means of helping those most in need, even if the medical and scientific communities don't always agree. Just keep your eye on them, lest they cut half of your hair off. Know what the food is. Yeah. Uh, this one is maybe worth a disclaimer saying that one of the words is kind of taken off a little bit. These lovable but complicated candies use humor as a means of helping those most in need, even if the medical and scientific community don't always agree. Just keep your eye on them. Let's say cut <sighs> half your hair off. I think I have it. Stu? Sour Patch Adams? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh That's why I kept thinking kids was right. in it. So I was like, what, what is <laughs> Okay. Use humor as a means of helping those most in need. Uh, and these lovable but complicated candies. That is uh, one point to stew for Sour Patch Adams. Nice. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Nice Sour job, Sour Patch Kids Candy Patch Adams. Question number three. Confused by a string of bad dates, this woman journeys to the bar instead of waiting to better comprehend the subtle signals given out by her recent dates. Maybe it's because this classic children's drink is just a knockoff. This one's a little tough, but might be my favorite of the round. Confused by a string of bad dates, this woman journeys to the bar instead of waiting to better comprehend the subtle signs given out by her recent dates. Maybe it's because this classic children's drink is just a knockoff and can't even legally be labeled as flavored milk. Oh, that's different than I thought. Nothing. This children's drink is just a knockoff and can't even legally be labeled as, quote, flavored milk. I have two ideas for the food thing. (laughs) Okay. But I have no idea on the movie. A movie is a little difficult. Can you repeat it one more time? Yeah. Confused by a string of bad dates, this woman journeys to the bar instead of waiting to better comprehend the subtle signs given out by her recent dates. Maybe it's because this classic children's drink is just a knockoff and can't even be legally labeled as flavored milk. This would be, if you think of weird knockoff children's chocolate milk, you might get Yoohoo. Yeah. And this is, uh, he's just not that into Yoohoo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I was going to go with what I like about you who. Yeah. Oh. I, was like, the, I also thought about as I was doing this, what would happen if somebody said like 12 things I hate about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's another good one. Uh, That's literally, that was the one I was thinking, but I couldn't come up with you who. <laughs> Big summer blowout. <laughs> <laughs> No points there. Question number four. After finding the remains of a Wild West drug deal gone wrong, the money was just too good to pass up and gets everyone in way over their head, even if they do have these chewy scotch mints to freshen up after. 
It's really hard. You kind of have to dig parallels into the, the plots of things a little bit. All right, the clue after the uh, after finding the remains of a Wild West drug deal gone wrong, the money was just too good to pass up and gets everyone in way over their head, even with these chewy scotchmints to freshen up after. Just know it would be way messier if Diet Coke was involved. Just, just know it would all be way messier if Diet Coke was involved. I don't know. All right, Stu. Are are you reasoning with yourself? No, yeah, Stu, no, I give got yourself it. a pep talk. I, I heard it coming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the movie, but I I'm so this is all I can really pair together. Is this of mice and mentos? Uh no. Okay. That's beautiful though, and I love that and it should be correct. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what the movie is. I don't either. Uh, this is an iconic but dark uh, Coen Brothers flick with uh, Javier Bardem. This is uh, after Great. finding a Wild West. Well, uh, the question's over, but <laughs> Wild West mind. drug deal gone wrong uh, nope. and Diet Coke. This would be, you got the Mentos right, but this would be No Country for Old <gasps> Mentos. Oh, man, that's why. Nice. That's really good. That's really good. <laughs> I love these. I love this round specifically. These are always some of my favorites, to be honest. <laughs> I'm saying Ryan's delivery really got me off on that one because it was so lighthearted and fun. I was like, oh, that sounds like a funny like <laughs> right. comedy movie where the whole family's in hijinks because they took this money. I'm like, what movie is this? <laughs> no, it's the one where he's like breaking people's faces with that like air pressure pump and stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it. That was just the Mentos. Yeah. It's <laughs> a Mentos-powered gun in it at one point. All right. Question, uh, no points there. Question number five. A shepherd with a shady past must break out and flee New Orleans to get back to his old casino, but not before getting to the county fair for some deep-fried irony on a stick. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying not to giggle as I say this one. <laughs> a shepherd with a shady past must break out and flee New Orleans to get back to his old casino, but not before getting to the county fair for some deep fried irony on a stick. This kind of rough housing will take him all the way to the pearly gates and back. This one's literally my favorite one of the round. You really might have to deep dive into some of your uh, your knowledge on this one. My my deep fried knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my knowledge is feeling very deep fried right now, and uh, but unfortunately, it's so fried that it's not coming to the surface. A shepherd okay. with a shady past must break out and flee New Orleans to get back to his old casino, but not before getting to the county fair for some deep fried irony on a stick. This kind of rough housing will take them all the way to the pearly <gasps> gates and back. I know the movie. Oh. Um, sh uh, uh, no, give me a second. Give me a second. I know the movie. Oh, gosh. Think about some iconic fair food. Um, oh, bloody hell. I just keep thinking of... <laughs> well... Um, um, 
No, but this is really bothering me because I know the movie. This kind of rough housing will take them all the way to the pearly gates and back. I can't get the food. Get the food. I can't get the movie. You're stuck on the food? I can't figure out how the food fits with the movie. What are you thinking so, first? I'm it's... thinking Shaun of the Dead. No. Or one of those two zombie no. movies. No. Never mind. Never mind then. In in What food in are you thinking to? <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a corn dog. Yeah. Well, maybe uh an iconic animated film going to the pearly gates and back. Uh oh plot, my. maybe not everyone knows the plot off the top of their head. I didn't know the casino part. Yeah. A, uh, a shepherd with a shady past could even say a German shepherd with a shady past. God. Yeah, has to go flee New Orleans to go back to the casino. This would be all corn dogs go to heaven. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, that one went all the way over my head. So. <laughs> Me too. That's, that's a tough plot. I mean, non-Disney movie, non-Disney animated. I'm going to uh, plead that I've never seen this one. Oh, It's good. It's a bit it's of a really dark good. one. Yeah. I forgot there was a casino in it, too. I, right. <laughs> yeah. I forgot the casino. <laughs> well, I figured if I said a dog met his wrangly yeah. other dog. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we would give it away. But uh, I'm pretty sure if you would have said two dogs go get corn dogs, yeah, we would have <laughs> cheapened, cheapened the question for sure. This kind of rough housing will take them all the way to the pearly gates and back. And don't think for one second I didn't spell it R U F F housing. <laughs> oh my God. Well, the question's on the screen. I would have got it. I know. All right, question number six, last question of the game. Hopefully your mystical journeys with self-adorned paths aren't made with bricks of this. You know, dreaming in black and white won't help you forget the orangish yellow of this food, no matter how smart you are. I'm not going to lie, I didn't intend for these to be this tough. Can you repeat it? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll say the whole thing with a clue. Hopefully your mystical journeys with self-adorned paths aren't made with bricks of this. You know, dreaming in black and white won't help you forget the orangish yellow of this food, no matter how smart you are. Even those in Philly can't hide behind the curtain for long. What's an iconic food from Philly? What's a, what's a movie <laughs> that you're thinking of? Because <laughs> I have the food. I, I, I don't have the movie or the food. Oh, okay. I can't I figure movie. out the connection to Philadelphia. <laughs> Hopefully Nathan, do you want to you'll... trade? <laughs> do you want to do a trade? Can we go whispery to each other and then come back as a council? I like seeing this embracing of non-competition. <laughs> if you both get I mean, it right, I'm going to consider the tribunal of Nathan and Stu as a separate player in this game. One Perfect. point. Perfect. Hopefully Perhaps. your mystical journeys with self-adorned paths aren't made with bricks of this. You know, dreaming in black and white won't help you forget the orangish yellow of this food, no matter how smart you are. Even those in Philly can't be hide behind the curtain for long. Okay, then I don't know the food. Oh, no. I don't know any part of this. <laughs> I definitely know the movie. So, dreaming in black and white. Right. 
self-adorned paths made of bricks, particularly those that might be orangish or yellow, hiding behind the curtain. <laughs> I, all right, hang cheese on. Cheese steaks ironically yeah. made with this cheap, disgusting food. I was going to say, yeah, I think I got it now. <laughs> Are we uh, off to see the cheese wizard, right. the cheese wizard of Oz? Yes. Jeez. I never knew the how it was wins. used. Cheese I don't know. I didn't like. I know. I didn't, I knew chili frilly cheesesteaks, but I didn't know it was made with cheese whiz. I thought it was like melted cheddar or something. If it's made good, in my opinion, it's made with provolone. If it's made cheap and disgusting, I think it's made with cheese whiz. For our foreign listeners, cheese whiz is um, the cheese that comes out of a can that you see a lot of memes about on the internet about American juicing. For the record, very, at least I have never had it. I don't know if you guys have, but not all Americans have had it, and most of us find it disturbing. I mean, I used to have it in the 90s when I was a kid. I'd take townhouse crackers and cheese Whiz and just make little <laughs> sandwiches. I'm not going to lie. When uh, I first thought of this question, I was pretty sure it was the spray cheese. It took, I had to look it up to realize that cheese Whiz wasn't just the spray can. Really? Hmm. It's not? No, they have like a spreadable version. No, that's what? totally different. Cheese Whiz is just like in a jar or in a can. It's what? essentially like uh-huh. melted-ish, like margarine consistency craft American cheese. Yep. Okay, this changes disturbed. everything. It changes nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to drip clues all throughout that. Self-adorned oh, no. paths made of bricks, dreaming in black and white. Uh, no matter how smart you are, Wiz, uh, even those in Philly can't hide behind the curtain for long. That would be the cheese wizard of Oz. I mean, it was extremely well written. <laughs> there is no place like home. And uh, that would be the end of the game, except for uh, we have Stu with five, Nathan with seven, and both myself and Rachel with 11. So, before we do a tie thing, my comments before your round were a bit anti, were a bit, excuse me, (laughs) pro-competitive and aggressive. Oh, you mean how I would have won if we had done the write-in like we normally would have? Okay. You know what? Yes, let's have a tie question. Forget what else I I was going to (laughs) say. I actually have a good one. Um... Oh. That you guys can go back and forth on if you'd like. I'm sure. down. Alrighty. Um, so for the tiebreaker, my idea of a round is to traditionally go back and forth until somebody falters, uh, thus declaring the other opponent the winner. And what you guys are going to be going back and forth on is companies or, I guess, products uh, that use animals in their names. Oh, boy. So, uh, Geico would not be acceptable because it's not a gecko. Um, but like turtle, turtle wax would be acceptable, uh, because it's a turtle. Okay. Uh, does this seem doable? Definitely. Uh, okay. Um, two questions. Sure. Do they have to be real or can they be fictional? (laughs) What? Uh, I, would assu- I don't even know how that works. <laughs> I would assume that they would be real. Then we wouldn't even know if he just real. made it up. Uh, well, I mean, like, okay, like, does chocolate frogs work? 
Oh, um, well, yes, because those are actually a real thing. Um, are they? Yeah, I think, I think that frogs. was the name of the product, not the company. Okay. I did say I did say product. Um, okay, sorry. But I guess I should I should rephrase that. Um, I would think that it would be. I would think that it would be company. The reason I say that is because, like, if you did Cobra Health Insurance, right? I don't know if the company is named Cobra, but the product that they offer that they're known for is Cobra. Uh, so I would like personally, I would accept that as an answer. Um, oh my god, this is so hard. <laughs> okay and second question does it have to be a specific animal or is animal just are you trying to buy time to think of things no i just don't want to give 100%. an immediate wrong answer on That's a true, technicality right. right um because i have what i want to say but i feel like it could also be immediately like oh wrongly. right I mean, if it's like a shortened like version of an animal name or something like that, like that's totally fine. No, it, like I want to say animal the crackers. Word, yeah, I was about to say oh. the word animal crackers can't count because right, that does not count. Okay, right, you would yeah, you would want to use like it, it has to be a specific animal of some kind or another. Okay. Um. So okay. yeah. So we're looking. Okay. Okay. Are you sure? No. <laughs> okay, I can go over. I can do something else if you'd like to. Um, no, I like this. I just—it's <laughs> going to be hard. He's feeling the pressure as much as he wanted the competitors to not be here. It is here, <laughs> and he's feeling the pressure of this round. How do we decide who goes first? Uh, like, um, I mean, I would like Rachel. I would pick Rachel first, first right. just for sportsmanship. I'll go first. Rachel, uh, take it or kick it off whenever you're ready. Blue bunny ice cream. Gummy bears. Um, moleskin notebooks. What? Yeah, moles are a type of animal. Yep. Oh, I was only thinking food. (laughs) Oh, it can be anything, right? There's there's so much leeway here. Uh, this goes back to the Sir Francis Bacon comment <laughs> earlier. Right. Ryan is very hungry tonight. <laughs> I'm curious, though, given my examples of turtle wax, did you believe that was edible? I don't know. I think you're bringing us an outside. Uh, all right, I'm good. Kill me worms. Oh, my God. Okay, can I challenge this? No, no, no. That is They're a descriptive of a type of candy. Not a, I like, mean, multiple companies use it. It's not a name for a specific I, product. I know, but that's, uh, yeah. I mean, but that's why I wanted to, that's why I wanted to do, like, generalized products or company okay. names. Because uh, I feel like that is, you can get a lot further with that. Okay. Um, Ford Mustang mer- merchandise. Oh, I didn't even think we were going there. Cobra car <laughs> is a cobra a car yeah uh yeah ford shelby cobra oh yeah. okay thank you yeah. <laughs> rachel it's your turn give me like a hot second <laughs> i know you're thrown off when he just goes cobra car just <laughs> okay Question, if I can yes. make this one work, I have one to substitute it if it doesn't. Okay. Fossil handbags. I would accept that. I mean, 
Yeah, I, I mean, fossils were animals at some point. Get your Kabuto on. <laughs> right, that's that's the game. <laughs> yeah, I'd accept it. So, can you can you please reiterate the the overall theme of this real quick? <laughs> we are naming yes, gummy uh, worms. Yes, companies or major products uh, that have to that use animal names uh, or like animals in their names. Right. I.e. turtle wax, uh, gummy bears, uh, gummy worms. <laughs> All right. I have I have one like Rachel that this may break the game, but I'm pretty sure it applies. OK, let's try the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a company. Oh yeah, no, it's a company name. It's, it's a company. Sports name. teams have just blown this whole right, category that, wide open. <laughs> wide open. <laughs> As my next ones, I will I say. NFL mascot starting with Broncos. <laughs> so to make to make this more challenging, uh, you can't repeat an animal. Ooh, okay. Uh, so is it on me? Yes, yes, it's on you. Tortoise shell guitar pick guards. <laughs> <laughs> Or base pick guards. Sure. I'm gonna one up you. Tortoise shell earrings. Oh, you can't repeat animals, Rachel. Oh, wait, okay. oh no. <laughs> Mother Use of pearl back. or oyster. I would oyster is acceptable. Oyster is a brand of kitchen appliances. <laughs> it is. It's also crackers. Uh, yep. uh do these have to be real animals? <laughs> yes. Alright. Prehistoric ones are acceptable because we went into the fossils thing, right? So if you have like a T-Rex brand paperclip or something, that's fine. What about a Kraken? No, it would have to be squid. All right. I know what you're going for. It doesn't exist. Let's go with the San Jose Sharks. Nice. <laughs> I'm so sorry I brought this upon you. <laughs> It's going to be the longest episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Rachel? Gators for fishing. Yeah. Because I'm not going to take the easy way out, and I'm actually going to do a wide variety of trivia. Appealing to Ryan's integrity. Interesting move. Ryan, you go. (laughs) (laughs) So if I would... Pokemon be classified as animal. No, they're no. not real. <laughs> no, they are not real. Every round he keeps trying to bring in some fantasy element. <laughs> All imagine animals are imaginary for Ryan. <laughs> I've you got like t- three seconds or so. Cheetah print. Lisa Frank binders. <laughs> um, I believe most of them were labeled leopard. Thank you. <laughs> I guess I guess we'll accept it because we're gonna run out of animals eventually. Oh, we hope. Oh, I'm here and I'm here to stay. Clamshell earrings. Didn't you? Uh, I guess oysters and clams are different. Clamshell is a style rather than a texture. Yeah. Cat of nine tails weapon. No, that's not how it's. T- it's a wait, nine tails whip. Tell that to Jesus. Is that? I mean, 
Is there a I'm company though that offers that rules. as a product? <laughs> it is on Amazon. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I mean, it's. It is. It is a <laughs> cop. Okay, whalebone no, corsets. Oh God. It's a thing. It, it is a thing. Yes, Dave. <laughs> Stu, I was saying, this is getting so heated <laughs> that I feel like the only way we can take it up another notch is to go back to the original question that started this duel and ask an in-depth question about the King Killer Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> if you have something that would definitely break this, First of all, you go right ahead. If it's I'm ready. heated for you, let me rise up and say Phoenix Coyotes for two animal bingos. I don't think there's bonus points in this round. I'm real proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel, your turn. (laughs) The Colorado College Tigers hockey team. Look it up. I have a shirt from them. Oh, my God. That has to be the most generic university that I've ever heard of. In my it's in my life. hometown. It's a private liberal arts university. Uh, where, where do you go to school, sir? Uh, um, Colorado College. We're the Tigers. So. <laughs> okay. Ryan, do we need something? Do we? I don't know. <laughs> Are you guys going to be okay? <laughs> My face hurts so bad. This is hilarious. We're going to need an animal product from you, Ryan. <laughs> Can I say... You got to give me an answer right away. I'm going to say Hogsmeade. No, that is not. That is a location. In a fictional world. In a fictional world. <laughs> fictional counts as we as we proclaimed. No, we did not proclaim Hogsmeade butterbeer. Ryan proclaimed that on his own. No. Fictional does not count. <laughs> you asked about like three fictional animals up to this point. They all were voted down. <laughs> Come on. I've worked for this. I think I mean that might do it. I mean, I can give you another if you need it to really seal the deal. Prove it round. Yeah, let's do it. One more. Salmon. Shorts. What? Fish shorts? Is that a brand? Pink shorts. Pink shorts. That's that's a description of a color. That's a descriptor, though. Right. I would say that that is not a, uh, unless there's a brand or like a specific style of shorts that you would buy that is called salmon and not just the descriptor. Basketball 21 rules. You go back to zero. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, think Ra- I think Ryan lost it on the last AK one. AK Sam and Sisters. They have clothes. <laughs> all right, that. <laughs> can, I, can I be honest? And all of Ryan's like switching from gummy bears to gummy worms. I'm really upset. Swedish fish was never called out during this whole round. I'm also surprised. And I'm really upset about it. <laughs> Trader Joe's lobster gummies. They're a thing. We had them a few days ago. About halfway through, I had bearskin rugs stuck in my head, and I couldn't get off of that because I already used up bear. (laughs) 
<laughs> you could have also gone with Python code. Like, there's oh, so many things one. there. Host Gator. <laughs> Crocs. Crocs. <laughs> the original animal product. Oh, I did Gators. You did Gators, that's right. Gators. That's right. Stew's out, Stew loses. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was actually gonna be my one of my rounds. Like that's what I started with, but I couldn't frame good questions around that. But I'm glad it came into play I don't here. See how it seems pretty <laughs> simple. So guys, I think you guys should know Ryan knows this. Brand related trivia is my favorite. <laughs> I love it. I love branding stuff. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> It's good to know for future rounds. Oh my god! All right, I think uh, <laughs> I think congratulations, Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> Am I allowed to gloat here? It feels right and wrong at the same time as we're making a less competitive atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> no, you can gloat. Okay. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she did just win the most messy round of trivia I think I've ever witnessed before. <laughs> Congrats, Rachel. Uh, Thank you, Ryan. Good job to you, too. (laughs) That was fun. Uh, And I hope the listeners are enjoying it. Uh, (laughs) That is the end of the game. Uh, We can get to a couple picks. Uh, Each episode, a couple of us give a movie a game or something cool like that. We recommend you check out. And uh, Stu, today you have a pick. Uh, I do. Um, so my pick is a book uh, called the self the self sustaining backyard, uh, which is a book that basically um, talks about being self sufficient uh, in terms of like food production as well as like energy usage and everything on a quarter of an acre of land. Uh, granted, your property looks like a Stardew Valley level, but it is a it's a it's a very interesting uh, premise. Like, I mean, some of their efficient techniques and stuff is fascinating to me. And uh, they use some older methods of of things like for water pressure and everything that really it's just cool. Um, it's cool that they got it all to work. Essentially, uh, they live off the grid, um, but it's I think they're still in the neighborhood. I don't know. Um, but they're, I mean, I was especially fascinated by their garden uh, and their like their layout of their land in order to get maximum, uh, you know, yield from their from their crops and stuff on just a quarter of an acre. And it's like a family of four too. It's not even like a one dude is living by himself like this. It's it's a yeah. full family. This is cool. That's amazing. I, I, you had showed it before, but this is the first time I realized there's like a wind turbine in this family's home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like they have like, right, they've got the solar panels, but yeah, there's also, right, there's like a wind turbine. They have like a rainwater tank on the roof, I think, which creates water pressure in the whole house. Like they use geothermal to heat oh. a greenhouse. Like it's really interesting. Um, you know, so I guess, you know, if you're ever looking to prep for the apocalypse, this is the book to read. But if you want to just learn more about <laughs> growing things efficiently in a backyard, this is also the book to read. <laughs> nice like i said we were just talking about all the the planting and stuff and i i read we don't have i mean literally any space for anything but i i had been poking around through um one of the kind of backyard gardening books by somebody who's like famous ish in this community i guess his name's i think mel bartholomew he's like the quarter the four by four plots of like the you know the the um 
like the backyard plots and like how best to lay out vegetables and stuff like that and like the the proper soil mixtures and all that sort of stuff so similar tie-in but this looks really cool yeah it's it's it is really cool like i i haven't really read it all the way yet or anything um but i mean i thumbed through a couple of chapters that i was interested in reading right away and it was it was pretty informative i really enjoyed it nice that's uh the self-sufficient backyard by ron and joanna melchior i think so yes m-e-l-c-h-i-o-r-e is this uh, did you get it on amazon uh no i actually bought it through their site it is it's self uh i think it's self-published or authored um but yeah they are on amazon which is probably the easiest way to get it their site is not exactly user-friendly um so buy it on (laughs) buy i hate to say it buy it on amazon (laughs) nice that's cool um yeah i have a pick also sort of oddly in the same vein um this summer we already talked about kind of trying to like garden which i think a lot of people are trying to do you know stave off the the apocalypse and the pandemic and whatnot um but one other thing i got into was uh fermenting foods for the first time so i was excited to try some of that out so these are um there's a couple different varieties on amazon but are essentially fermentation lids that are essentially a a mason jar lid with a little hole and it essentially works as you you put it on and Oxygen can come out of the food, but, or sorry, carbon dioxide comes out of the food, but oxygen can't get in, so it doesn't lead to rot or anything like that. Similar process for like brewing beer or anything else. Um, And they're just like little kind of little plastic things. I don't even know what you call it, like little spouts that go on the top of the lid. And uh, it, you know, keeps everything sealed in so that natural fermentation of food can work. And we've done it with. Uh, cabbage to make sauerkraut as well as like carrots and cherry tomatoes and cucumbers and stuff like that which is nice for because it tastes good and there's certain health benefits along with it but it also just helps you you know you you lessen the risk of throwing out a bunch of good vegetables yeah nice that's really cool so yeah that's been super fun so far so uh yeah it's been cool it's been very interesting it's been very tasty i like i like experiments where i get to have food (laughs) who <laughs> doesn't yeah did you say that was a specific brand of those or was it just um, the item itself these ones are on amazon and i'll link them they're they just have like a little gasket seal thing but there's a handful of different varieties um these ones are made by jillmo j-i-l-l-m-o which is just a random amazon seller but anything with this kind of gasket seems to work um and i've used something similar in the past uh so you know it, it worked pretty well um, but yeah, it's like you just put all the food in basically with a salt brine of a certain concentration, just a couple tablespoons per per jar per 16 ounces or whatever. It's pretty easy to figure out. And then we just have some like pickling spices like coriander seeds and different stuff. So that all goes in. Uh, just let it sit on the counter for a couple of weeks or for a week or so and taste it. And it, it tastes really good. It kind of tastes my first thought when I bit into a cherry tomato that was fermented. I was like, it kind of tastes like all the juice that is in this is now carbonated. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's it, very interesting, but it was very good. But yeah, it's been really good. Nice kind of acidic taste to it and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good practice just to get more into preserving foods and stuff. And I think pretty soon we'll try some like preserved lemons and some other stuff. So excited to, to keep doing that. But uh, yeah, I'll put this link in. But if you just look up like fermentation lids, you'll find something. It's like 15, 15 bucks or so. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. So nice. 
That's that's my pick. And uh, if you're listening, uh, shout out something else that we can kind of talk about on the show. Uh, you can email us at thingsthatgetwrong at gmail.com if you have any trivia topic ideas, which uh, we've gotten a few that hopefully we'll get to put to use pretty soon. Uh, you can also find the website at thingsthatgetwrong.com and see all the past episodes and everything. And uh, thanks, Nathan. Thank you. Yeah. For coming Thank on you. the show. Yeah, well, really anytime. Yeah. Really excited. Uh, I guess tell everyone what you're doing. I know you're streaming and working on some other stuff. Yeah, uh, streaming twitch.tv slash melonhawk. I think last time I was on, I said I was doing like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, that didn't last forever. So um, <laughs> Mondays are my current constant, and then I kind of make my schedule from there on Twitter and stuff like that. So, um, and I am currently working on getting a YouTube all set up and ironed out. So nice. Should nice. have that up by next week. Excellent. Ooh, sweet. What's what's the go-to going to be there? Just gaming news or something else? Uh, no, I think it's going to be... Uh, I'm, I'm still working on stuff. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It'll probably have some React Andy type content in there for for a little bit. Sure. So me reacting to, to stuff and then uh, gameplay and VODs and stuff from the Twitch channel as well. Nice. I love it. Excellent. Keep us posted. Oh, I will. Yeah, for sure. And of course, we'll have you back on before too long. And uh, yeah, from uh, Nathan here, from the team here. Uh, until next time, we will see you later. Bye. 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 Bye.